I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD4. Good solid weekend for uh, two teams I follow. <laughs> Yankees. You know, you would have liked that game three. Need to sweep a team like Baltimore. Um, it's unfortunate. But the Knicks swept. Uh, the Knicks got the home court. They got their 4-5 matchup they wanted with Atlanta at the Garden Thursday night. So we're going to have an episode Recapping the last couple of games, recapping the season, reviewing the year, uh, giving out our report cards. We're going to be talking what's to come in the playoffs. A lot of stuff to cover for the Knicks coming up this week. Going to get that episode up probably earlier in the week, before obviously before the game on Thursday. But this is uh, 247, and we're talking Yankees tonight. The Yankees. Um, as I'm recording, it's around past midnight so it's technically not Sunday night anymore um, it's like early early Monday morning but as you're listening to this it is Monday morning the 17th and um, yeah it was a good weekend for the Yankees it could have been a lot better if they t- didn't blow that game three um, but you know regardless we're winning more lately and the Knicks are playing well and um, hey UFC 262? 262. It was good. That was good. That was um, Saturday night. You know, it was it was fun. It wasn't, you know, like 261. But with who was on the card that night, you know, obviously because Nate Diaz was supposed to be on this card originally, then he got the injury. And it had to be pushed back to 263, which is going to be a stacked card. Um, but 262 was still pretty solid. You know, the fight of the night went to that fight earlier. The first, it was the first fight on the main card. I don't know the two fighters' names. Started with a B. I think both of their names started with a B. But that got the fight of the night. And it was a good fight. Both fighters came out aggressive. Um... And um, that got the fight of the night. And then you got to the later two main events. The co-main and the main. They were both fun. You know, they were different. They weren't, you know, one was one month a distance. The other uh, early in round two. But they were good. You know, that, that, that kid, Daryush, is how you pronounce it? Kid from Iran. I like him. I am a you can consider me a fan of him. I'm already a fan of that guy. Um, he, first of all, it was a hell of a fight from him. You know, unfortunately, Tony Ferguson, he doesn't look good anymore. You know, three fights in a row. Uh, what is he, 37? You know, they, they were asking Dana in the post, in the post, uh, fight press conference whether he should retire or not 
didn't deny it, didn't toss it aside. He was kind of, you know, it's up in there and it's going to be up to Tony. It's unfortunate, but Tony's a tough dude. You know, this is a guy who does not submit. You know, he had that fight. Who was it against? Was it against Oliveira last time? Whoever it was, last time Tony fought, you know, he had him in a fucking lock. And the dude refused to submit. And it was similar this time out against Aryush. Um, And again, I apologize if I'm pronouncing his name wrong. Fairly new to MMA, man. I'm just a year in. Um, But he fucking... He... Leg looked like it was going to snap. And Aryush, he, he heard a pop. And you could see Tony was in fucking pain and did not sub. But unfortunately, you know, at the end of the fight, rounds and rounds later, it, it goes to decision. And everybody knew Darius took it. He had him on the ground the entire fight. He was in grapple with him. It was a ground game, and that's not where, you know, Tony wanted to be. His feet were up against the cage a lot. He just... There were really any moments where you thought Tony was winning. It was domination, total domination by Dariush. And he looked great. He looked great. But that wasn't what won me over um, about this kid. What won me over was the interview with Rogan after. When he asked Dariush. Well, he was asking him how he felt. And the crowd was booing him. Because the crowd clearly wanted Tony. They were cheering Tony all night. Um, you know, when he came in the arena, they were cheering for him. They were booing Daryush. And after, in the interview to Rogan, in the in the octagon, um, still booing Daryush. Daryush was getting real, really, really, just I don't know. They 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 didn't want him. And then he he says something that you know Texas would love. Um, you know, saying he understands that it's tough for all the people who've gone through Marxism and and. Saying some good shit up there. Nothing you could really get angry at, but somehow, you know, leftists on Twitter got angry about that. Um, but you know, he spoke the truth and he was actually brought up a pretty funny you know, talking about Elon Musk and how he owns owes him a car or his wife an electric car or some shit. But he was really funny in the interview. I like what he said. I like the guy's values. I didn't know he was like that. So pretty cool to see. Um, but he's a damn good fighter. He's a, he's a humble dude. It was That was what won me his fucking... Uh, that's what won, uh, won me over. Is how humble he was in the post game. In the uh, post fight presser. So... It's late at night, folks. I can't talk. Um, that was fun. And then you got to the main event. You know, Dubronx fucking fighting Michael Chandler. Chandler, you know, Bellator champ, comes in the UFC, hot start, and now he, you know, thinks he's coming for everybody, and he wanted this one really bad. You could tell he wanted it. I wanted it for him. I'm a fan of him. Um, I'm a fan of Oliveira, too, and, and this was for the vacant title, right? Because Khabib is retired and um you know it started out charles took him to the ground and you know chandler made the mistake of going to his back and he they were grounded for a while had him in a guillotine and fucking didn't look great for chandler then he got up and they were back on their feet and chandler looked dominant at the end of the round 
to a point where I think he took the first round. You know, to a point where, you know, he was throwing a bunch of jabs and punches at Oliveira to where some people thought the fight should have been called. Some people thought he got robbed in that first round. But Oliveira somehow survived it. And they went to the corners after the first round. And the second round comes. And, you know, seconds in, maybe a minute. One of the first sequences of the second round. Oliveira catches Michael sleeping and socks him with a left hook on the chin. Clearly shakes him. And from there, he jumps on him and the fight's called. Gets the KO. And goes right over to the booth. Fucking Rogan and, and John and DC going nuts. And they, those guys, let me tell you what, man. There are some electric booths in sports. And we've talked a lot about like commentators lately. You know, we talked in the last show about how Mike Breen is one of my favorites. He was in the Hall of Fame. How he just got inducted, start to the Hall of Fame. Um, and then we, you know, we're going to talk about Ken Singleton in a second. He just did the O series, which we're going to cover here. Um, but you're talking about great, iconic, and obviously Walt Clyde Frazier along with Breen, great duo. Um, iconic, legendary booths. You got to look at that one. You've got to consider. I mean, it's the most exciting thing for sure. I mean, the, the, the electricity that Rogan, DC, and John bring to the fucking booth every single night. You can tell they love their jobs. They make it so exciting. And when you add in the crowd, you know, thousands and thousands of Texas diehards who love this shit, love MMA... It makes it that much more fun. I mean, these guys, they were getting me hyped when there was no crowd. But watching UFC right now with a crowd and with this booth and with the, the, the big names that we're getting on these cards lately, this sport is fucking legit. It is outstanding. It is one sport that I can look at and say, I've never seen a bad night of this you know when I watch basketball you're going to have boring nights when I watch baseball you're going to have boring nights of course I don't get bored when I'm watching UFC I don't ever get bored of this shit it's just so unique it's so exciting it's electric and, and what I like about it is it's real right it's not a game this isn't I don't even like calling it a sport to be honest with you this shit is real. You're actually hurting another human being physically, right? Like, we've spoken about it, but I don't care. The objective in baseball is to hit the ball over the wall and score more runs. The objective in basketball is to shoot the ball in the net and score more points. The objective in football is to push the, the ball all the way down to the other side of the field. The objective in MMA is to beat the shit out of your opponents for a certain amount of time or knock them out before they do it to you or get them in some kind of grip so bad that you force them to tap out. Like the objective in UFC and MMA 
is to beat the shit out of your opponent. That's actually the objective. You know, so like in hockey and football, they're physical, but the objective, that's just, it's not the thing. That's not the main part. The main part in MMA is to actually obliterate your opponent. It's barbaric. It's nuts. It's insane. But I fucking love it. And it makes it so much more exciting when they do that with a crowd watching. It is outstanding. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And it's a good league. It's a good, solid league. It's not one of those fucking nuts, woke sports leagues. You know, where they're doing all this fucking bullshit to cater to everybody who wants to play the victim and play the race card and play this media game. No, this is a league where they allow... Like, it's a, it's a good sports league. There's no propaganda in this shit, man. Do they have their moments where it's, you know, entertaining, like, WWE entertainment? Yeah, but it's like, there are no fake, you know... They, they don't bring fucking politics into this sport and let it take over. You don't see that with this like you do in the NBA and now the MLB. This is the only sport left that doesn't have the bullshit. And that's why, I think that's why I love it so much. It's keeping sports sports. So I, I really credit Dana White for doing that. Dana White does a good job of, of not falling, you know, to the mob. And he's actually, and, and he's got, he's not afraid. He's not afraid to fucking bring back thousands of fans, right? All these other leagues are doing restrictions. White's got the full capacity crowds in here. And I love it. He's allowing people to enjoy their lives. They're enjoying the sport. And you can watch these things on TV. You see people are fucking loving their lives. They're in the crowd. No masks. No bullshit. Not going to get into that at all. But people are enjoying their lives. It looks like they love it. And I, I'm telling you man. The second I. <laughs> the second I can. As soon as I can. As soon as I have enough money to. Uh, not go broke when I buy tickets. I will be buying tickets to a to a UFC event because these things are fucking insanity, insanity. They're insane. So let's head to break. When we get back, I guess we'll start this thing up. All right, be right back. But yeah, like I said, Ken Singleton was back in the booth tonight. He was back, or this series, rather. And, um, one second, let me just make sure this is all calibrated correctly. Um, yeah, he's bringing up, Ken was bringing up a story today. It was pretty funny. Or it was, uh, game two, I think, on Eddie Murray, who he either played with him or underneath him. But one day he, like, Long story short, he ran out and argued with Thumps for fucking 20 minutes straight. Came back in the dugout. Told everybody, yeah, I can't do it like I used to. <laughs> I just found that really funny. I don't know why. Stupid shit like that, but it was it's like, oh wow. Eddie Murray. Yeah, he's the guy with the statue outside number 33. 
outside of Camden Yards. It's a beautiful place. I've been there before a while ago. Um, really open, nice facilities. It's clean. It ain't like Yankee Stadium. It ain't like the mall. You know, this is legit. It's a good ball. It's a perfect ballpark. Um, so I'm going to try and keep this short because I have to go to bed. I've got class tomorrow that I need to do homework before. Uh, I've got a bunch of assignments to do before I have the final day of class. And, um, we'll go from there. All right. And I don't know if you're watching this podcast, if it's fucking choppy or if the fucking words aren't matching up to the video. I... I hope it is, but I'm at this point I don't give a shit anymore because I'm tired of fucking around with softwares. I thought I was gonna like this new software I installed, but it turns out it's just as dog shit, or maybe it's just the tablet I use, or maybe I don't know what the hell I'm doing with these settings. But it's it's so fucked up. Anyway, the Yankees take two out of three at Camden Yards. This is episode two forty seven. They cannot sweep, though, and you would have hoped for the sweep. But, um, do take two out of three, so that was good. And, um, again, you're listening to BD4. This is episode 247 of the podcast. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, be sure to do that right now. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google. We're sponsored by Anchor. And you can listen to us on any of those platforms. So you can fucking any major feed, you know, and then plus YouTube, uh, if you want to watch the actual podcast for that information. And if you want to follow me on social media, and if you want to subscribe to my blog, go to my link tree for all that. It'll have the links to all that stuff. Link tr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. Yankees win 5-4. to four. Um, You have Corey Kluber versus Dean Kramer, who apparently he only faces the Yankees. Uh, poor bastard. Top of the first, Aaron Judge goes yard, makes it one nothing, And, uh, yeah, good. Bottom of the first, though, Kluber gives it right back. Hayes gets the home run to tie it. Um, fortunately, Kyle Higashioka... Threw out a runner. He threw out a runner before the home run, so it could have been a lot worse. One to one tie, but then the fourth inning comes. Judge goes yard again. This makes it two to one. Um, Kramer goes five innings. Kluber goes six innings, but struggles badly in that fifth. You know, Severino, Mancini get doubles. Sandwich in between is an RBI single by Valeka. That makes it four to two O's. After the top of the fifth. Um, Yankees don't score in the sixth. Kluber finishes his day after six. Seventh inning comes. You get the uh, the managerial battle. Won by Aaron Boone. You know. Bases are loaded. Aaron Boone doesn't want to go with the pathetic lefty Tyler Wade. So he goes with the righty Gio Urshela. Brandon Hyde counters. He brings in the righty. Um, I forget who it was. He takes out Solcer and he brings in a righty, you know, for the matchup. But um, doesn't matter because Geo takes him nine pitches, gets the fucking uh, big three run blast to right center. 
And a lot of his homers are going to center field this year. Um, so he's got some scary power this season. He's been so pro- uh, so productive and consistent. But he gets the big home run. I think it was off Laskins. And um, that was basically how the Yankees won that game. You know, their five runs, all five of them were generated from home runs. You know, a couple runners on base. Then the two big blasts got them the homers, so the runs. So, good win there. Um, you know, they gave that ridiculous stat on Gio during that, after that at-bat. Where, this is why I hate the arrow wearing. Because we have so much information. We overuse the fuck out of it sometimes and give these ridiculous stats like we did on um, Saturday night. No, uh, Friday night. It was... So they said it was the longest Yankee... uh, Longest Yankee plate appearance in terms of pitches. Let me do that again. Fucking see, it's so fucking long and ridiculous. I don't even remember it. I have to look at my notes here. It's the longest... Yankees pinch hit plate appearance in terms of pitches since Wade oh, see I got that fucking wrong again it's the longest Yankees pinch hit plate appearance home run since Wade Boggs in 95 really really stop there's no need to go when you go and give out a stat if you go, if you give me more than one or two pieces of information, I'm falling asleep. I'm not going to be able to keep up. It's too much. Yeah, it's some of them like it's like yeah, no shit. He's the only guy to do blah blah blah, because the stat you gave was so specific. On a Monday night when it's past eight twenty-five, and the weather is. 60 degrees or better the Yankees always end up scoring five runs in that game it's like what it's just some stupid shit some of these stats are just outstandingly awful it's like really do we really have to know that it's it's, it's that's when I go wow we have too much information sometimes um, I just thought it was funny. Pathetic, but funny. Kluber to Chad Green to Wandy Peralta, and then Johnny Lasagna gets the save or the close. Um, no, it wasn't the save. Uh, with Chapman getting some rest. <clears throat> so Pembos flawless, but Kluber not so great. Surrendered the lead in the first. Then he was almost flawless for the next three innings. Perfect. Um, then surrenders the lead again in the fifth inning. You know, the command was not great. Uh, but he muddled through it, and he finished with six innings, four runs, six strikeouts. So, not the worst for somebody who didn't have their best stuff. Because when Kluber didn't have his best stuff, stuff, stuff earlier in the season, he was, you know, lasting three, four innings and giving up the same amount of runs. So, he has improved. This was the game where... Clint Frazier had that pathetic base running blunder again. Like, dude, he's a bad baseball player right now. Like, really, he's he's one of the worst. Like, if you, I'm sure if you 
picking apart and like look at the stats on both ends because he's not been great on either either end. I'm sure he's like statistically one of the worst players in baseball. Like the fielding, it's bad. He's getting bad reads on balls. It's it's a nail biter every time he has to catch a fly ball. Every time he throws it, you're afraid he's going to overthrow the fuck out of it and it's going to travel into the stands. Um, the base running is egregious. He's had a couple of rough, rough... games on the fucking base paths. The one on... This one in game one might have been the worst. I mean, it, you're going from first to second. You go back... You turn your back and you go back to first, but you're not even... He doesn't... He didn't go more than halfway at all. He went fucking right back to first. On that Brett Gardner pop fly. I don't know. I, he's bad. And then the hitting is not there. I mean, the only reason he's in the majors is because of his bat. That electric, what is it? The lightning bat speed? Well, I mean, he did have a good, you know, maybe he can build off what he did in game three, which we'll talk to in a, about in a second. But man, I don't know. Like, it's really bad to a point where if Brett Gardner or hell, even Miguel Duhar or Tyler Wade start hitting just a little bit, Clint might be in a really short leash here and sent down. I don't know. Because it's been, he's hitting a buck something and he's not playing defense. And with how bad he is defensively and on the base paths, you better hope he's mashing home runs and extra base hits. But he's not doing that. He's not. So how much longer can you go? Because we are in mid-May. We're getting to the end of May soon. By the end of this Texas Rangers series, it'll be the end of May. You know, the the, the third. The um, third portion of the month. So, yeah. It's rough to watch Clint Frazier play baseball right now. And it's unfortunate because I'm a big fan of his. His talent, at least. I, I do think there's something there. I've always been saying this guy's a 30 home run, 100 RBI guy, but we have got to start seeing that. He, yeah, he was good last year, but man, you're getting chances now. You've got to do it consistently. And he's been consistently bad for the most part this season on both ends and on the bases. Bad baseball player right now. Bad. That was game one. Um... Yeah, the Yankee bats, seven hits, uh, two walks, nine strikeouts, and one for one, you know, with that Geo plate appearance in scoring position. So, game one in the books. Game two comes. The Yankees take this one eight to two. Domingo Herman versus Jorge Lopez, and then Keegan Aiken later on. The Yankees plate three in the first off Lopez. DJ scores on a pass ball. Gary singles up the middle. 3-0. Judge. Two-run bomb in the second inning. Makes it 5-0 Yankees. In the sixth. Off of Wells. He balks. Guardy scores. 
Everybody moves up. Because of that, Voigt singles up the middle and ends up getting two RBIs. 8 nothing Yankees, looking like a laugher. Herman ends up goes six going six strong. They go to Litke from there. Wilson, Sessa gets the close. The Yankees win 8-2. to two. The German downs the ERA to 3.62. Having a solid year, man. He had a couple, a couple of rough starts to begin the year. Expected, hadn't pitched last year at all. Has really turned it around and turned himself into a staple in this rotation right now. We're not even thinking about Davey Garcia right now. I would like to because, you know, he's talented and, you know, we've hung on to this guy. But Domingo's holding his own in that five spot. Six innings, four hits, one run. Couple of walks, six strikeouts, and no home runs this time around. So, it's always good to see that. Because that's his issue sometimes. He'll be a little bit wild in the strike zone. The command's not always there. And he gets bit by it. But, I thought he was good in this one. The pitch mix was good. Fastball and change. I think I read somewhere it was 18-18 even. Um, he relied heavy on the curveball. And the curveball, it was fucking filthy. In this one. It was filthy. Um, he got 11 whiffs on it on 14 swings. So, definitely his best pitch. Had a lot of depth to it. He was keeping it in the best spots. And that's the reason he went and threw another quality start. Which he's been a quality start machine this year. Yankee Bats go for 13 hits. Walk three times, strike out 11 times, and are three for eight with runners in scoring position. Luke Voigt, Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez all have two RBI games. I think that was the game where Luke Voigt picked up his first hit. He had two on the night. So it was good to see that from him. Tyler Wade led the Yankees in hits. He had three of them. He was three for three at one point. Um... Got the average all, all the way up to 316 after the night. <laughs> Tyler Wade. Um, one second here. Let's see what else do we have here. Um, yeah, he was good. Like I said, well, Tyler Wade, it's he's. It's funny if hitting didn't exist, he's a valuable fucking player. But unfortunately, hitting exists. So we have to see this a lot more to have some kind of faith in Wade. You know, if he stops trying to elevate everything and he hits it on the ground more, I know it's against some of your rules today, but he's got the speed to where he can rack up the infield hits. As long as he keeps it away from the pull side, which he has some, you know, a bunch of times this year he's hitting it to the left side of the infield. Gets on base. He has the speed. Plays defense. He's versatile defensively. He was just... If he was just somewhat decent offensively. I'm not even talking about good. Just give me 240. Give me an OPS 700. Low 700s. I'll take it. 
I'll take it. If you play that defense and you're you're existent at the plate, you know, and you're hitting the eight and nine spots. Yeah. As a lefty, I'll take it. But, you know, we're not getting that. I'm not going to be sitting here and saying we're going to get... We've gotten nothing from Tyler Wade offensively these past few years. I'm not going to jump on a three-hit game and expect that to continue. Or even a quarter of that. And, uh... That was it. This was the game you had Miggy in left field, Clint in right field. <laughs> so, your gold glove outfield out there. And the Yanks win. Going for the sweep in game three, but they cannot get it. They cannot get it. Um, Montgomery versus Plutko. This game ends up being a 10-6 to loss. The Orioles win it. Um, top of the first, though, Yankees get four runs for Jordan. You know, you've got Gio Urshela with the bases loaded. Unfortunately, gets the double play, but that does score one run. And then Gary and Clint go back to back over the wall from there. So. Four nothing after the first inning. Bottom of the first inning comes. Montgomery gets touched up a little bit. You know, gets two quick ground outs, then walks Mancini and the, um, leaves fastballs up fastballs up over the plate to Mount Castle and Severino for RBI hits. Four to two. Judge then gets the home run in the third off Zimmerman to make it five two Yankees. Bottom of the third though, Montgomery comes back out there. Double Walk, sack fly, strike out, wild pitch during that pit, during that at bat, and then fucking RBI double, RBI single. Bad. Leaves a fastball up to Franco, a change up over the heart of the plate to Galvis. It's a five to five tie game. Doesn't get help from Clint misplaying some balls in the outfield again. But um it wasn't a good performance from Jordan Montgomery, I'll tell you that. A rare clunker from him, three innings pitched, six hits, five runs, two walks, four Ks. ERA unfortunately rises all the way up to 475. Yeah. BJ gets the meaningless single in the, in the ninth, the RBI, RBI single. But the Yankees lose 10-6. One of those games where it felt like the Yankees were not supposed to win the, to, to lose this. Like it was in the baseball gods script to have them sweep after getting up 4-0 in the first. And they end up losing. We have 10 hits, 3 walks, 10 Ks, 3 of 9 in scoring position. You can't lose games like that. <clears throat> but they did. They gave up 10 runs. You know, the Yankees had their the Baltimore relievers on the ropes a little bit, but they couldn't cash through. But six runs should win you a ball game against the Norfolk Tides. And it didn't. You know, Montgomery wasn't good. King had, you know, he's coming back to earth a little bit recently. Lucas Lickey was clean, and he's been good for us. ERA's back under three, 295 right now. But Peralta and Sessa have two bad outings again. They're coming back to earth a little bit lately. Give up two runs. On three hits and three walks and two combined innings, and that was the uh, that was the series. 
that was it. Again, going to try to keep this episode short. So real quick, I want to review some things. And then we'll get to the uh, question of the day. First, we'll be right back. At least Aaron Judge is on fire right now. That's a good thing to take from this series. Aaron Judge is on fire. He is seeing the ball so well. And this is after that, remember that horrific stretch where it was during slash towards the end of Stanton's run where he was on fire. Judge was just pathetic. He had that one stretch where he was 0 for 7 with 7 strikeouts and then he ended up being 1 for 24 or something like that with 12 strikeouts in that stretch really bad uh, that Houston series was nightmarish but he's bounced back since bounced back since his last two series Aaron Judge's 5 home runs a 571 batting average 12 for 21 and the numbers on the year are now back to Judge like MVP type caliber numbers again. He's leading the MLB in home runs with 12. His batting average is a smidge under it, 298. Uh, the OBP is a smidge under the 400 mark, 399. And the slugging, 611. So the OPS over 1,000. Robust numbers, 24 RBIs, looking like Aaron Judge again. Looking like Aaron Judge. That's big. Now we've got Texas. I think he does well against Texas, too, in his career. I'm going to try to see if I can find the numbers. I would, but I don't want to take my chances with how slow my tablet's being tonight. Could look at my phone, but... I don't think we need to. Hopefully he stays on fucking fire. Geo, remaining consistent. He's been their most consistent guy all year. He had no for today, but the numbers on the year are great. Um, playing defense. He's been flexible playing shortstop. Slide over whenever he needs to. Playing through injuries. He's a tough dude. Tough dude. Getting big hits. And I just, it's it's such a fun story, dude. Like, imagine where this guy was mentally. In 2019, it's the end of spring training. Or, you know, beginning of spring training. Because maybe at the end he had a, an idea that he might make the roster with how well he was hitting in spring training. But it's spring training 2019. He's probably thinking, okay, well, here I go again. Same old story. You know, once April hits, I'll be sent down, DFA'd, possibly moved to another team, either ride the pine there or, you know, be stashed in the minor leagues or, you know, be, be not really a part of any team. But injuries happen. Miggy goes down, 
and Gio Urshela, Wally Pips, the guy who Wally Pipped, Brandon Shuri. And from a guy who was just a journeyman, backup, defensive replacement, who, again, just didn't see much playing time anywhere, wasn't, nobody even knew who he was. He's now the cleanup hitter for the New York fucking Yankees. And he's a staple. Fucking insane. He's such a good dude. Like, he's... It, it couldn't have happened to a better person. He's a happy... He's a good presence in that clubhouse. Good vibes. Every time you see Gio, he's always smiling. He's a damn good player. And Yankees fans love him. He's a fan favorite. How could you get mad at this guy? He does nothing. He's tough. He plays every day. You know? He's not going to take himself out of the lineup for mental exhaustion or... If he, what did Torres do earlier this year? He jammed his pinky. He's not going to fucking do any of that bullshit. He's a good player to watch. He's a solid baseball player who plays well on both ends equally. Love it. Love it. Putting the ball in play. He's actually striking out a little more this year, but he's still putting it in play at an above average rate. Playing defense, hitting at a hitting at a high clip again, versatile defensively too, fucking everything. So he remains good. Gary's even been better lately. He's actually been solid lately. He had a few hits in this series. He had a single up the middle, right for those two runs in the first inning of the. Uh, was it game two? And then he has he has the home run earlier today. So two hits in the series, the homer in the in the single, four RBIs, and he's walking a whole lot lately too. Goes back even more. Last ten games he's got a four hundred on base. His season on base is respectable. Hopefully he gets the average up. You know, um, it's almost at two hundred. So getting as close to 250 as he can that would be great and he and he hits the home run I mean hey he's a he's not somebody who I'm fond of let's be real right but I'm not going to sit here and root against the guy I'm hoping he can show some kind of improvement this year to where he's even a little bit of what we thought he could be so, and the Yankees played him today. You know, a day game after a night game is usually when they sit him. He played, so they're they're rewarding his productivity lately. Um, they're trusting him more, so maybe that means he's working his way back into the starting role, and he's getting his job back. Who knows? We'll see. We are seeing him more lately as he produces, though. We will see. Fucking, you know, it's scary. So. Grain of salt. And that was really it on the positives. Uh, if you want to go some negatives or, you know, so-sos, DJ, still not there. And like I said, this is just it, man. I just think this is it. I hope I'm wrong, but like, it's it until it's not, right? Like, honestly, though, I, I'm not shocked. I know I'm, I wouldn't be shocked if this was what we were getting this year from DJ. 
because you know, as unfortunate as it may sound, you look at the numbers and his career, he's had a long career and he's done this before. He's had a few seasons where he's not been great statistically. Am I expecting him to hit 330 again? No. But, you know, we got him to at least be a 300 hitter and be that extreme contact guy. He's not been that to a high level this year. He's been okay at the plate. And we didn't sign him to that six-year deal to be okay. So hopefully he turns it around to where he can start living up to that contract. And it's early. It's the first year, not even. It's the first two months. But, like, I want to see him do a little more. I am going to get on him just because he's been a big part to this team last couple of seasons doesn't mean I'm not going to hop on him. He's got to get his shit together a little bit. But there are a lot more issues to worry about. I get that. <clears throat> on the injury front, Giancarlo, the quad, day-to-day. Still don't know what we're doing there. Aaron Hicks, the wrist, looks more serious. Said surgery is an option. Honestly, I'm expecting this guy to miss the entire season and, you know, at best, miss major time. This is who he is. You know? Great contract. We only got five more years of winner. <laughs> I, um... Mike Talkman will come in handy right now, too. No, I'm not going there. Um, I think that's it. And obviously Torres, you know, with the COVID. Um, I'm not sure what the protocol is. How long? I think it's 10 days and then he can come back because he got the vaccine or there's some. But that's it. I, I really don't have, you know, the Yankees are winning lately. They, I would still like for them to get sweeps against teams like the Orioles. Especially since we only fucking split with them in the four game set last time. I don't know, man. We had a dominant year in 2019 against the O's. But like, we should be killing this team. They're even they're, they're still very bad. But hey, what are we 22 and 17? Not too far out of first place right now. Two and a half, maybe. I don't know. I gotta look at the standings. But seven and three in our last ten. That's 700 ball. Uh, 14 and six in our last 20. That's 700 ball. And they're playing 600 ball, 18 and 12 in their last 30 games. So after the rough April, you know, we've turned it around. And, you know, the record obviously looks a lot worse than the way we're playing recently. Um, We just need our offense to build off this series, right? This that The offense is not living up to par yet. Some guys getting better, but we still haven't gotten everybody hot yet. And, you know, maybe this is the series that sparks them. Averaged about eight runs a game this series. And we're going to Texas for four. Should be fun. We've got a full crowd in Texas. That's going to be cool. I'm excited to see that. Eight o'clock games. So we're going to be a little late. How about, uh, yeah, four games in Texas. Three of them, 8 o'clock. Then they got the 2 o'clock game on Thursday. But tomorrow night's what matters. One game at a time. You got Garrett Cole on the bump. And we go from there. So that's uh, literally all I've got in the notes tonight, guys. I 
Yeah, I don't have much. So let's have to break. When we get back, we'll wrap this thing up with the NYY, NYK question of the day. Be right back. So last time out in episode 246, the MYY MYK question of the day. The Knicks have won as many as 60 regular season games before. How many times have they done that? The answer to that question is they've done it two times in their history. Two times. Tonight. Episode 247, our NYY NYK question of the day brought to you by Anchor. Best way to make a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Who played Babe Ruth in the movie The Pride of the Yankees? Who played Babe Ruth in the movie The Pride of the Yankees? So message me the answer or comment the answer on my Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter once I publish the promo to this podcast. Guys, thank you so much. That's all I've got for this episode. This is your host, RJ Carbone. Episode 247 of the podcast of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. I'll see you guys next time out.